From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. We're going to now bring in Galaxy Digital CEO Mike Novogratz. We're going to get started talking about the markets, though, here, because you see the slide downward in yields, Mike. And do you believe in the pivot that the market believes in next year? I do. I do. I think the economy is slowing. I think the economy will slow a lot in the first quarter. Uh, the Fed will be cutting rates, uh, you know, who knows exactly when, but in the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter. And what's important is when you have a shift, right, when you go from the tightening mindset to the cutting mindset, you don't know whether they're going to cut 50, are they going to cut 25, 25, are they going to go 100 if the things look bad, right? If inflation settles at 2%, real rates are too high. And so the the uncertainty around the bullishness of the Fed, right, the dovishness of the Fed, uh, or the bullishness for markets, will create the animal spirits the same way the bearishness did. And so the yield curve will go uh, to positively sloped, right, it's still negative slope, 230s is, I think, minus 20. Uh, that'll go to plus 60, plus 80, plus 100. Um, and so some of these trend, trends are just starting, right? The dollar, which had been the dominant currency for a long time, all of a sudden will sell off, and you're seeing that. And so it feels like it could be the beginning of a big trend shift. Animal spirits. It's a funny thing to hear you talk about again. There was a sense that once the Fed got off its quantitative easing cycle, once it started hiking rates again, that animal spirits were of yesterday. Uh, you think they're going to come back, really? Well, listen, you know, when you're putting liquidity into the system, uh, leverage gets easier to get and people get excited. And so I do think, you know, I was there talking about animal spirits in the currency market or animal spirits in the in the fixed income market. Um, equities will be, be more challenging. Uh, I think there's two stories to it, right? If the economy slows, what that does to earnings versus, you know, lowering rates and, and allowing money to flow. Uh, and so I'm less less uh, convicted on the equity call, but more convicted on rates and, uh, and currency. Well, let's talk more about rates and currency. I'm going to make you put on your macro hat before we get to Bitcoin in the next block. What are you trading in terms of currencies and along the yield curve at this point? Listen, I, I you know, had gone from a long dollar bias to a short dollar bias. And so being along the euros, being long Aussie dollar, uh, still on some Brazilian currency, uh, I do have a short in the Chinese currency. I think their problems are much more structural uh, than than they've addressed so far. Um, but broadly, a, a net, you know, short dollar position. And then interest rates, long two years, long five years, and long two years versus 30 years. And so the idea that the Fed will cut rates and then start a cutting cycle um, as the economy slows and inflation you know, triggers down to 2%. But even in an animal spirits environment, what would you not buy? Do you think that things can get too frothy again? Listen, already you have, you know, almost five rate cuts priced into the, 
to the fixed income market. And so, you know, markets move quick. As you said, this is one of the biggest weeks in fixed income, our biggest months in fixed income rallying. And so nothing's going to go in a straight line, right? Things are going to go up and then re retrace and go up and retrace. Um, I don't see anything flashing, you know, you know, triple red right now. Uh, we've got to be nervous, right? These trends are just starting. One of the mistakes a lot of investors make is the trend starts, you get your first move and you're like, ah, oh, that was a great profit. I got to get out. And then it just keeps going and going. And so, listen, gold looks great. If gold, you know, closes above this 2000 mark for a few days or weeks, you could see gold much higher uh, in the future. Um, silver feels like it's being squeezed and could go much higher. Uh, and Bitcoin, right? Those gold, silver, Bitcoin really all should do well if the Fed is uh, finished hiking rates and starting to cut. What about the Magnificent Seven? You started to talk about kind of the lack of conviction in your equity qual relative to the macro kind of movers here. So given how much the Magnificent Seven has driven up the market, do you have conviction there? You know, again, I, I, uh, I don't think NVIDIA and Microsoft, do you want to think of those as the two uh, stocks that the best encompass AI are finished. Uh, those things, great bull, bull markets are great bubbles and manias, and we're going to have a mania in AI usually end with something much more spectacular than what we've seen. And so just my, my trader's bias is that those stocks can go higher and probably drag Mag Magnificent 7 up. Um, listen, things are very expensive, and so... Uh, for me, it's easier not to have big positions there and to be, you know, a small trader and a, and a big watcher uh, because I see so much opportunity elsewhere. Okay, opportunity, you're a big Bitcoin trader, but do you think that there is more opportunity in AI? Do you ever wake up some days and say maybe Galaxy should be an AI company? You know, <laughs> if I was smart enough to really understand how the AI works, uh, l listen, it, you know, you, you sometimes pick your bed a few years in advance and then you get, you're, you're, you're stuck in the bed. There is some convergence of AI and crypto at one point, uh, and so we follow it pretty closely. Uh, the AI thing is difficult in that the economies of scale you need to be a player in it are so large that you're going to have a couple giant winners, and I don't think a lot of second places. Um, and you know, you can just see the amount of capital needed to raise even for the the new companies. And so I don't think it was easy for a lot of people to pivot into AI. Using AI, you know, figuring out how AI impacts your industry, all really important. But to build an AI company, I think uh, uh, probably beyond my skill set. Mike, if you think about what happened with the settlement over at Binance, a more than $4 billion settlement, and the admissions of guilt in some really scathing allegations, including uh, aiding of money laundering and even uh, working with sanctioned nations in certain cases, how do you think about what exchanges you're working with with those kinds of financial and regulatory risks tied to them? Listen, we have a, a pretty thorough process of looking at who we deal with, and we're also reasonable. Right. If you went through the list of trade fi banks who have been sanctioned or fined by the you know different regulators in the last 24 months, so not going back 20 years, 24 months, it's a shocking list, right? And so you're not looking for zero mistakes. Otherwise, there'd be no one to deal with. <laughs> um, we're looking for people that take their job responsibly. 
Uh, I think the Binance settlement was great for their company and great for the industry. I rich, wish Richard well. I think they're de-risked in lots of ways, right? People were worried about dealing with Binance. There's a lot less to worry about now, right? Well, uh, when it comes to Binance, do you trade with them? Do you keep the same amount of exposure to them, or do you begin to diversify more at this point? Well, we, we've always been diversified. We don't talk exactly who we trade with, but we trade with most people. But I would just say, you know, all else equal, you should feel more comfortable dealing with Binance now that they've settled, uh, right? There was all this worry that they were going to get shut down or they were stealing people's money. And, and it came down to they had some pretty serious violations of KYC protocol. Uh, and they've worked to correct them, and they've paid their fine, and they're moving on. And so I think it's a net positive for their company. I think it's a net positive for our industry. You have legal questions still around the industry. You have Do Kwan about to face trial. You had the FTX trial end, but Sam Bankman-Fried still facing other charges to face trial for. You had the Binance settlement. How do you have faith that the bad behaviors have not been washed out of the industry or have been washed out of the industry, Listen, rather? We, the... The 2022 crash, uh, the amount of bad actors that got swept out of the industry was pretty significant. And so I would say my intuition is that most of the bad actors are off the stage, um, right? Markets are pretty efe efficient and regulators are pretty efficient. And they've gone after Three Arrows, Alice Machinsky at Celsius, uh, you know, plenty of other. There'll be a few more, I'm sure, because there always are. Uh, but the industry got delevered. The industry, I think, chased out many bad actors. And so it feels like a much cleaner slate that we're playing with. You know, Bitcoin, for its own part, has rallied to just above 38000 and it's been flirting with that price right now. Where do you think it ends the year? Or next year, rather, at this, at this pace? You know, listen, there's a bunch of good things happening for Bitcoin, right? We are going to get an ETF. Uh, right now, there's a lot of anticipation. Some of that's built into the price. When you actually get the ETF announcement, there's probably still two months before it starts trading. And then once it starts trading, we'll see if BlackRock and, and ourselves uh, with Invesco and ARK and all these other institutions, Fidelity, uh, have their sales forces out and are convincing people to adopt Bitcoin, the price is going to be significantly higher, especially at a time when the Fed is probably cutting rates. And so could we go to old highs by this time next year? Of course we could. And could we go higher? We'll see. You know, you have to remember prices are set on the margin and there's not that many sellers of Bitcoin, right? We're going to have the halving next year, which means that the daily supply or inflation rate gets cut in half. And so you really are setting up for a wonderful story. Uh, we're also going to an election year and that uncertainty should help Bitcoin in the fact that the U.S. and Europe and Japan still can't come close to fiscally being responsible uh, is why people got in, invested in Bitcoin in the first place. I'm glad and you bought up politics because when you think about who you support, how does crypto pay, play a role at all? And uh, who are you supporting and for what reasons, frankly, Mike, at this point? It's been becoming you know, a much I'm, better I'm conversation. Kind of, I'm kind of in the anything but crazy or really old party. Uh, and so I really, really believe we need to move away from uh, the baby boomer generation uh, having run our country into the ground. And so I, I pledge that I would not vote for anyone over 75 years old uh, or even 72 years old. Um, 
I, you know, listen, from Chris Christie to Nikki Haley to Neil Phillips, uh, all of them might take over the, the two most likely candidates that we're going to get. Um, and so I, I'd be bipartisan, my thought, to get us to move on generationally and to get us to move away from crazy. Well, what did and you think about Jamie Dimon this morning over at the Deal Book Conference had said that even if you're a very liberal Democrat, I urge you to help Nikki Haley, too. How much are you getting those kinds of calls from your friends? I, I literally got a text from a dear friend of mine this morning asking me if I would sit down and meet with her and would you help. Uh, and I would certainly sit down and meet with Nikki Haley. Uh, I met Neil uh, Phillips uh, in the office a few uh, last week and well, had never met him before and didn't really know his story. It's an amazing story and he's an amazingly rational guy. I don't think he's got the name recognition Nikki does at this point, but he's the only, you know, non-Biden candidate on the Democratic side. And so I'm certainly going to spend more time with him. Uh, I don't think it's really Democrat or Republican at this point for our country. It's we need to move beyond uh, where we are. And, you know, the thought of a Trump presidency is so divisive. And, you know, for Republicans, Biden feels that way. Uh, and I might disagree with them, but he feels that way. And so to me, best for the country is that we move on and get someone different. The, the odds of that happening are still pretty small. But, hey, I think the, the you know, the, the payoff, if, if it happens, is pretty good for the country. Speaking of odds, it's worth asking you, what would you do or would you support or would you urge a Mark Cuban presidency, given all the speculation around uh, his next moves after the Mavericks? I, I love Mark Cuban. He's a kind man. He's a smart man. Uh, I've spent some time with him. I've podcasted with him. Uh, he throws his hat in the ring, and I will certainly have, have dinner with him. So when you think about next year, what do you think is going to be the defining factor for the elections at the end of the day? When you and your peers are putting money towards candidates, what exactly is it that you're looking for? Hey, I don't think my peers' money or my money is going to make too much of a difference. You know, the, the world has shifted so much in how these elections happen with social media. Trump doesn't even, other than his legal defense, you know, he gets publicity just because he's Trump. And so I do think... You know, we'll see. Something feels to me it's got to break. Uh, I'm not sure what it is yet. Uh, you know, people wake up one day and say no. Uh, I mean, again, the most likely outcome is we go to the polls and it's Trump versus Biden. And, I, you know, you go to bed, you know, praying and you're not going to know who wins. Uh, uh, until you wake up. Before I let you go, we're going to go back to Bitcoin for a second. The market is watching. The market is watching closely. You've been looking at the ETF space. When you talk to investors, these early conversations you're having, how much interest do you expect into an ETF upon arrival? And how soon do you expect the SEC to approve that process? Listen, you know, the timing is, is a little bit of uh, art, not science. It does feel like it should happen soon. You know, what does soon mean by the end of this year, the first month of next year? Uh, after it gets approved, there's probably six to eight weeks before uh, the mechanisms are up and you can actually put money in. And then I think a lot of money will come in. I think up to $10 billion the first year uh, should flow into the ETF space, uh, if not more. And that's a lot for a market as small as Bitcoin. Again, prices are set on the margin. Um, and so that's all new money. And so I do think uh, we'll see a pretty successful uh, shift of psychology, right? When the government and, and institutions are allowed, government says you're allowed to buy Bitcoin, institutions say, hey, this is great. 
it then allows institutions to look at what, what else is out there. And so mm -hmm. I think it'll be a seminal event. Well, we'll look forward to seeing what happens next. That is Galaxy Digital CEO Mike Novogratz. We thank you for your time today. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.